This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Good morning and afternoon and happy Sabbath. Happy New Year, everyone, and happy Sabbath. I'm going to ask this side, how do you know that you are living? You're here. Everyone's kind of dead. It's okay. It's all right, but not really. How do you know that you're living? You're You're breathing. How do you know that you're living? You're what? You. Your hearts are beating. How do you know you're living? You're, you're always under attack. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. No, but she has a point. No, you have a point because if Satan is attacking, he knows we're living for Jesus. So that's how you know, but how are you spiritually living? How is it manifesting yourself, itself in your life? It's 2023 and we have gone through so much as a church together. And now that you've been given the gift of a new year, how are you going to use it and start living? Father God, May these words be the words of your mouth, Father. May you fill us, and may we hear you. In your name, amen. Amen. So when I asked God, because he gave me that title, it's time to start living. When my mom left a couple of days ago, um, on Tuesday of January 3, She reminded me, she said, Jen, don't forget to call me on January 20. I know we're going to talk every day, but don't forget January 20. And I immediately remembered that was when my dad passed. I said, I know, Mom. She goes, Jen, January 20 is on a Friday. It's a Sabbath. And I said, Mom... So you can open the Sabbath remembering the legacy that that dad left and how God blessed. And I thought about it and I thought, how long do we dwell in our grief? I know there's no time spent on it. There's no barometer on how long we should spend, but how long do we dwell in the things that hurt us, in the losses that we've had, and 
And when God gave me the title, it's time to start living, I said, Lord, give me more. And he says, I want you to share four points with my church. Number one, it's time to start living, but the only way to do so is to learn from your past and not live in it. Turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus 3. Exodus 3, verse 11, and here we find Moses. And the backstory to here is we know that Moses, you know, he, he, he was put in a basket as a baby while the decree went out to kill all the firstborn. He ends up at the palace, is raised by the daughter of the Pharaoh. So now Moses is an Egyptian prince. But then he sees one day the atrocities that are happening to his people at the hands of the Egyptians and he commits murder and goes on the run. See, even when we do atrocious things but we repent, God can still use us. And God needed to use Moses and he called him and he wanted him to go back now to free his people. And who only could go back but a prince of Egypt? But did he know that this was going to be his path? He didn't. He felt he couldn't. How could he after committing murder? And in Genesis 3, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, God, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Did Moses know ahead of time all the plagues that were about to happen? He did not. But he told God, I have no tools. He told him, I'm not a speaker. Who's going to believe me? But see, when God calls you on a mission and he will still call you despite what you've done because you can lead for him because of how he's redeemed you. And when God called him, he said, yeah, you may not be able to speak, but I'm going to give you your brother who will be your mouthpiece. And I will give you this staff that you will use to command authority. And this is what I will do to you. See, God is saying it's time to live. You need to let go of your past, but learn from it and from it glorify me. Moses needed to face his demons. Moses needed to face what he did in order to lead God's people. I know 
Many of you know our story already. And for those of you who don't know, very quick synopsis, I grew up in the church as a miracle baby and served him and gave my life to God. And I grew up a young preacher going to preach everywhere and I knew that God was gonna use me and I wanted to serve, but also the sinful side of nature took hold of me and Armando and I got pregnant out of wedlock. You don't do this as a young aspiring minister. And you know the things that happen. The church censors you. And I cannot even begin to explain to you the hurt that it caused my family because at, at that time, my mother, well, she still is, but she was serving as the secretary to the president of the Hawaii Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Women's Ministries Director, my dad was a head deacon, all my siblings were serving in their various churches and to have the one that was supposed to be the preacher suddenly go and do this. And there was a point where I thought, Lord, can I still work for you? And I entered into a degree that would help people, not theology, because I thought that that was done for me, and I was, I was especially told that I wouldn't be able to preach anymore behind a pulpit. So therefore, go and get a degree that would help people, hence my behavioral sciences, sociology, and psychology degree. And then maybe, maybe if my mind was still there, I could preach for God, or I might be able to. But God kept that fire alive. And then, as I'm doing this degree, God tells me when I went home during this study period, he wanted me to preach to my church about the journey of redemption. And coming back as a young adult now, four years later, five years, don't remember but coming back to the scene of the crime. Because in those five years, I hadn't been allowed to sing or anything. And to have gone to England and then coming back and now I'm asked to preach on a youth day to the youth of the church. And God said, I want this story told. I cried before I did that sermon. And then we returned to Nubo to finish my studies. And before I finished, because that was also a scene of the crime, quotes and quotes, God said, on your last sermon here, I want you to preach this sermon. Before all my professors who knew me back when, and some who knew me still. And I fell upon the couch and I said, of all the things that you're asking me to preach, you want me to preach this? to the college folk. And he says, I want you to preach this sermon. And I cried again before and during. 
And then he asked me one more time before I left England to preach it again at some little church. And at that point, I had a team coming with me to sing, and they saw me cry. And in that sermon, I apologized. What I said was, I'm about to tell you what happened, and if this offends you because of the nature of my sin, I apologize before I do so. And after, my friend got a hold of me, and he says, never apologize for what God has done in your life. Because God needs to see, people need to see how low you go and how high God lifts you up. Never apologize. You praise for what God does. And so since then, as I've preached this, there has been no tears. And I realize that this sermon is now a sermon of my family I remember when I preached this for Plantation, I told you this was an early sermon. This was my second sermon that I preached here, and God was so insistent. And I said, no, this is my second sermon, Lord. Maybe my third. I said, it's too new for Plantation. And he says, this is not for Plantation. This is for my glory. See, God makes us face our past and our demons so that we can work better for him. He says it's time to start living. And in order to start living, you need to learn, face your demons, not stay in your past, but profess me. Point two, it's time to start living. And once you've faced your past, it's time to make the most of your present. I invite you to come with me to Genesis 39. And here we find Joseph. And we know the story of Joseph. We know that he was the beloved son. And he was the youngest. And dad just, he he was the son of, of Rachel, the first son. Dad just loved him to death and made a coat, which didn't help the jealousy. Neither did the dreams that came in which he would inadvertently tell his brothers that they would someday bow to him. None of this helped Joseph. And you know the story. So angry did his brothers become that they ended up throwing him down a well and taking that beloved coat and pouring goat's blood on it or ram's blood on it and spinning the story to mom and dad that he had been killed. Meanwhile, Joseph is being sent off and being sold into slavery. And you would think that this journey was already bad, but then he gets put into Potiphar's house and now accused of adultery by his wife, and then thrown into prison. But instead of dwelling in the atrocity of his present circumstances, Joseph makes the most of where he's at. And in verse 39, verses 21 to 23, says, but the Lord, I'll go to 20, sorry, Lawrence. 
I'll read it from here. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Who finds favor in the sight of the prison warden? Where can you find this even in present day 2023? Unless the warden's being paid off. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing, Joseph's doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority, so he wasn't even paying attention. Why? Because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. See, you can be in a dire situation, and you can choose to go crying into your milk, or you can choose to say, Lord, how can I serve you in this manner? How can I make this better? How can I glorify your name? How can this now become a testimony for you? And you notice our Joseph built himself up because of what he did there. He didn't let prison and why he was there keep him from making the most of it. What are you doing in your present time now despite the journey that you're on? Are you looking at every moment and saying, how can I make this better, God? I, I tell you all the time that whenever I'm in Walmart and Sam's, I just come across these conversations. And I don't tell God, Lord, when I go to Walmart today, Sam's today, when I go to Aldi, bring me someone I can bless. I don't say that. I say, Lord, whatever I do, wherever I am, just help me to personify you. And these conversations come out of nowhere. Just this week, I was in the clearance section of the Christmas section trying to find a box, and this woman was rummaging and, and having some colorful language because she couldn't find what she was looking for. And I just had a little chuckle because it was funny. And then she turned to me and she says, you know, I'm trying to find stuff for my daughter because her house just burned down. And of course, that's going to catch me like, oh, uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, what? She lost everything, everything. And, and especially the decorations where her kids made stuff and all her homemade things from their childhood. She lost everything. And she's been calling me now to go through all the, through all the sales to find whatever clearance items so that she can build up her Christmas section again. This was a moment of opportunity to share Jesus. And I said, I'm so sorry, I will pray for you. You will be surprised to find that people are not as opposed to prayer as you think they are. Even when coming from a complete stranger. I remember another incident at Walmart again and I overheard a conversation about a, uh, a worker needing to pass this particular test. And it was so strong, I pulled her aside and I said, let me pray for that test. She's like, really? Like right in front, you know, the, the, the checkout line where you go and pay for all your self-checkout? 
And she's looking around under the cover of where all her supervisors may be. She goes, okay, hurry up and pray for me. And so I drew her close and said a quick prayer asking for her to pass. And I go, hey, when, I go, when is it? She said, oh, it's in a couple, a couple weeks' time. I said, well, pray that the, I'll pray that the Lord's will be done. Then when I saw her a month later, she saw me. And she says, hey, hey, hey. I passed. And it's these little things that can catch you at any moment, but God's asking, are you making the most of what I have put in front of you today? Are you taking the opportunity to be that light for me, to be my hands and feet? Because you may not know how to do it, but I will tell you how. I will give you the words. I will open wide your mouth. It's time to live. How are you living? So he says, let go of the past, look into your present, and then he says, and in order for you to start living, you must forgive. Let go and forgive. And now we're still stuck in the story of Joseph. Now he has been appointed second in command of all the land, and he sees after a few years, his brothers come looking for help, and they don't know that it's him. And I can imagine being Joseph and having been treated the way that I was, and he did, the, he did all the things. He, he looked at, he tested them, he put treasures into their sacks and saw the fallout. He wanted to see, and it how do I say? It's not good to, because um, I know I'm being recorded. All right. It's not good to have plans of payback. But in his humanness, he was watching. He, he still had that feeling toward them. And then you know what had to get done. Because in order to continue to be that leader, if you can't serve your family first, then how can you serve a kingdom? If you can't wholeheartedly give to your family, how will the nation follow? And you find it. He pulls his brothers into a room and puts them in birth order and they're wondering how on earth does he know? And then in Genesis 45, then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him and he cried out, make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But they could not answer. For they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. And they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. He reminded them, this is what you did. 
But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to, to preserve life. See, sometimes the situations that we are in, we cannot see, but God is working it out and you are not able to see the plan, but later on when you look back and you see all the, all the different ways the hand of God touched the situation, you're able to see how God's plan was forming. And Joseph could not have known when he was in that well that he was going to be the leader of a nation and that he would not only save them, but he would save his own family. See, when you are open to forgiveness, God can do miracles through you. And he says, and God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hurry, go to my father, bring him further down. It says, then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. See, forgiveness was needed for the healing to begin. Armando, my husband, he is the product of divorce. His parents divorced when he was 13 and he has two other younger siblings. And for the longest time, he felt that he was the reason for their divorce. Because the fights that would ensue would sometimes say, it's because of you we were married. So now, as a youth, he felt that now this was the reason for the divorce. And you know how bad divorces can go? Both sides will kill each other with words. And dad walked out at 13, and he never saw his father again until he was 19 and in the military hospital receiving his cancer diagnosis of testicular cancer. In all the times they had tried to be in contact, it wasn't good. And dad would literally say, I want nothing to do with you. So now, on the cancer bed, dad appears, coaches him through what might happen, lectures him a little bit, Armando was thankful for that. And then that dad disappears all over again. No contact, except for the occasional fighting we would hear that would happen between dad and mom over the ownership of the house. Chance was born. Other grandkids had been born to that side of the family in which dad had never met. Now Chance was born. And we wanted to introduce. It wasn't until Chance was about three or four, three years old, that dad finally acquiesced to a meeting. But it wasn't a meeting, it didn't come about easily. There was a lot of suspicion. So from Armando's home in Texas where we had been visiting with his mom, we go and visit dad. 
It turned out to be a very good visit for about four days. Chance got to get to know his grandfather, and it was only Chance at that time. So he had grandpa and step-grandma. Then, because of the toxic history between parents, then Armando's stepfather, in order to get us back to Texas and stop the visitation with his dad, Armando's stepfather sends out an amber alert that we have kidnapped our own child and to hurry up and get back to Texas. And we thought, what? So we drove back as much as quick as possible where the reception there wasn't beautiful because we'd actually gone through and visited with his father. One would think that because of that visit with dad, the relationship would be better. But dad disappeared again. And we had to search for dad because Chance wanted to know, hey, what happened to grandpa? Can I talk to grandpa? And you know, we were very curious too how dad was doing. We found dad again a few years later and he was filled with nothing but hate for Armando and the rest of the family. Every time, son, that you come a-calling, something happens to my money. And things get tapped into, et cetera, et cetera, and I lose things. He didn't want to speak to Armando from then on. You are dead to me. All of you are dead to me. And my husband was hurt because in the following years, we had four other children. And he wanted dad to meet them. But every time we tried to call, we were always shut down. Until the night that we heard that he was on his deathbed. And we heard from stepmom, stepgirlfriend, sorry. And your father, um, or auntie, I don't know, I, I forget who called, said, your father's about to die, would you like to see him? And we did not even know that all this time he had been living four hours away from us in Wisconsin while we were in Michigan. And we were making all these plans to try to hurt and get to the hospital. And when we finally made that decision about 45 minutes later, okay, we're going to go and we're going to do this, we get the call that dad died. And Armando sat there in our living room with his head in his hands crying because he said the rest of them never got to meet him. And I don't understand why he hated me so or he hated all of us. And it ironically turned out that Armando was the only one who could get the funeral proceedings going because he was put on as next of kin. And he had to be the one to put, to, to confer with his wishes, to put him in a uh, national cemetery for veterans. And he was working on all this and he was so depressed. And he was saying, I don't understand how I'm suddenly left in charge when he wanted nothing to do with me. And younger brother came to the funeral also, hoping to find closure. 
but both of them didn't find it because dad had left a bitter taste. And Armando said, how do we go on from here? And I said, you just gotta forgive. So he asked God, because he'd always been the forgiving one, always the one calling. He goes, but I've always been the one calling, always trying to make the first step. I said, forgive again. And he said, Father, help me. Help me to let this man go, and you be the one to fill the father-sized hole in my heart. And this, and then he said, Take everything that he should have been to me and let me pour it into my children so they know what a true father is. See, he can't lead his family unless he's been reconciled. Joseph couldn't lead his family or the kingdom until forgiveness came. So God is telling you in 2023, It's time to start living by forgiving. Finally, the only way to start living is to put God first in everything. Go with me to Joshua. Joshua verse chapter 2 with verse 11 I think of of Rahab and you know that she was a prostitute living on the living on the walls of Jericho and God was about to use her to do something amazing and in those days you don't lie that spies are not in your house or you will get killed. But she knew God first. And when she came across these spies, this is what she said to them as she hid them in verse nine. Because I can't see, one second. It says, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when he came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites. And as soon as we heard these things, verse 11, our hearts melted, and neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven, above and on earth beneath. Now therefore, I beg you to swear to me, by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house and spare me. See, Rahab knew that she could be spared, and despite knowing the cost of hiding the spies, she put God first. What can happen when you put God first? Everything can happen when you put God first. The impossible 
can happen when you put God first. The enemy can crush everything around you and leave your house standing when you put God first. And this is what she did. You follow me to Daniel when the three Hebrew boys were taken in verse 1 as slaves. Everything was taken, taken from them. Even their names were changed. Their clothing was changed. And to come into the palace, their diet was trying to be changed. But they knew the God that they served. And they said, no, no, test us with the diet that we know because of the God that we serve. And they put God first. And in this testing, after the days of testing, they ended up being the most smartest and the most healthiest. And they were promoted to leadership. Now you fast forward and these three same men are now standing in the courtyards of Nebuchadnezzar. And the decree has gone out that when you hear the trumpets and lyres sound that you all must fall down on your knees and worship. But because they have known God, because they have always put God first, when that trumpet sounded, they remained standing. Much to the anger of the king. And the king comes over and he says, did you not hear that? You must bow down. And I love their response. The king says in Daniel 6, Daniel 6, 10. Now, when Daniel knew, okay, that's not it. I'm sorry. I'm in Daniel 3. My bad. That's why I'm not finding it in the Bible. In Daniel 2, it says, <clears throat> sorry, Daniel 3, the king is saying, in a rage, 313, he gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they brought these men before the king. Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which, which I have set up? If you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, fall down and worship. But if you do not worship, you will be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery forest. And who is this God who will deliver you from my hands? And they answered, and I love this answer, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need. We have no need to answer you in this matter. If that, if that is the case, that they get thrown into the furnace, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, if God does not deliver us. Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And in full rage, Nebuchadnezzar has that furnace turned up seven times hotter, so that even those who are standing next to it are dying. And he throws them in there expecting instant 
incineration. And he looks, and there's not only three, but there's one more who looks like a God walking amongst them. And he pulls them out, and nothing, not even a hair on their he head, is singed because God was walking with them and because they put God first. When the decree came to Daniel that no one again would, would, should worship or pray to anyone but the king, and he basically said, forget that. I'm putting God first. And he openly opened up that window three times a day, knowing that men were watching, ready to pounce. And they did. And he was thrown into that den, and God shut the lion's mouth because he put God first. God can do the impossible when you put him first. Are you ready to start living in 2023 and above all, put him first? I had a conversation with my aunt when we were in California. That side of the family is Pentecostal while my mom's side is Adventist. And my auntie said, you know, I always secretly wondered why it is that you became a pastor. Because I know that pastors really don't make any money. And I said, well, it is the mission field. My son, Chance, asked me the same thing three days ago. Mom, what are your bills? And I, I found it very strange, this question. What are your bills? Why, are you going to pay them for me? And he says, well, how much is rent? And I told him. 26.50, and then you add in um, pool and maintenance, lawn maintenance, it becomes $3,000. What? That's over half your paycheck. Mm-hmm. What do you pay for medical? $1,000 every month. What do you pay for insurance? Car insurance. Another, close to another thousand. What do you pay for this? And he's mentally tallying. Mom, you're not kidding that when your paycheck comes in, it goes right back out. <coughs> I said, right. <coughs> so at the end of the day, Mom, <coughs> see, God, does, Satan does not want me to say this next thing. Why are you worried, Chance? Because I've been adding and I've been watching. And I want to ask you, at the end of the day, when your, when your money leaves your bank account in two days, what are you left with? Because the way I'm counting it, it's practically zero. And I said, I'm left with God. <coughs> I can see that, Mom. My aunt crossed that same question. Why did you choose this vocation? Because I know that being a pastor doesn't bring much. 
And I want to ask you, because all these years I have watched you serve. As a little child, and I want to ask you now, why did you choose this? And I said, because, Auntie, the blessings not, does not lie in the finances. The blessings come from God. And I'm telling you, my blessings, as I told my aunt, when I preach the word and when I give my every single life testimony, my blessing comes from watching you work in you, God work in your life, and you coming back to me and saying, Pastor Jen, that was my problem. And because you're saying it, I am living it, and God is working with me. My blessing comes when I see a marriage restored. My blessing comes when I see children come back. My blessings come when I see someone break free of addiction. My blessings come as I watch God work in your life and this is what I do because I put God first and he takes care of me. God sees everything that happens to my family. He's seeing it right now. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but I know that when I speak the name of Jesus, when I shout it from the mountaintops, when I sing it from the streets, I know that God is there, and the blessings will come from on high, and it will not come from things of this world, but it will come from temporal things. And so I'm asking you, in 2023, it's time to start living. It's time to leave the past, to make the most of the present, to forgive, and to put God first. We don't know what this year will hold, but we know that when we stand together in Jesus Christ, that our lives will become so blessed and God will make things happen. He will make the impossible happen. So I ask you to stand with me right now. And I ask you, if you are burning for God to change your life, come here. Because God is ready to change. If you're asking God for the strength to forgive, come here because God can build those bridges. If you are asking God to help you make the most of what he's given you today, let me pray for you. If you're asking just God help me that the praise may fall from my lips and help me to put you first, he will do it for you. He will open up wide your mouth and bless you. Come here, baby. And God said, let the little children come to him. God's calling you in 2023 to live for him. God's saying, the time is coming near where I will come. And I want to make sure that you are standing with me. And I want to make sure that your life is changed. And I want to make sure that your all is with me. Won't you give your life today? Father God, 
You see your sons and daughters. You see the little child that has heard you today and is heeding your voice. Father, in 2023, we give ourselves to you. Father, give us the strength to let go of our past and learn. Father, let us make the most of every single opportunity that's in front of us. Father, help us to forgive, and most of all, Father, let us make you first. Let's put you first and make you the head of our lives, the head of our households, Father, the head of our workplaces. Let us gird ourselves in you so that Satan trembles at the slightest glance of us. Father, let us make 2023 a year of change and growth in you. Father, let us stop being dead to you, but let us start living for you, Father. And let us shout your name from the mountaintops. Let us shout your name from the streets. Let us shout your name from our homes. Let us shout your name from the brokenness of our hearts. And let us shout your name as we give you praise for who you are, Father. Thank you, Father, for working within us and for being the God that you are. In your name, amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.